Mike, how you doing? There I am. Oh, hey, darn. Mike. How, how you doing, doing buddy? How are You're you? Good, good Mike. Good. What's happening? What's going on, man? <laughs> thanks for joining us, mate. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah. Great to see you. Thank, thanks so much for coming on. Mike, yeah, man. No problem, man. Uh, I've uh, been kind of following your Instagram page there. Saw some cool stuff, so yeah, man. I don't. I'm. I'm happy to be here. Ah, very kind of you. Legend. Legend. <laughs> How you keeping? I'm fine, man. I'm doing good. Wishing uh, this thing would be over, like we all yeah. are, but uh, just uh, hanging in there, you know. Yeah. How's it going out there? Is Everything it, you know, fine, man. Yeah. I, I, I'm. I could be anywhere right now because I. I'm just staying home. I'm not. I don't really go out a lot anyway, you know. So. Besides touring, I don't, uh, I'm not a very social person besides that, you know, I, I like to be at home when I'm not on tour. So I'm, I'm having a good time with it really, but just, uh, need yeah. to go on tour soon. Yeah. It must be killing you, man. Just not being able to get out there. Yeah. It's crazy. After all the touring that we do, you know, um, it's, it's really not f- fun to be stuck here, but you know, it yeah, is we, what it is. That's all I can say. You know, there's yeah. not much else. Not we can't, much else we can't can socialize at all. You know, you know, we can't go meet other people. We can't go to the pub. And you know, I've said it all before right. on the podcast, but, <laughs> but you know, at least we can do this, eh, Mike? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, that's all I've been doing lately is these Zoom interviews. You know, we have this new record coming out. So, uh, yes. And we're loving the singles. Yeah. Are you awesome, man. The high that's risk cool. trigger. You know, we've been we, the three tracks that you've released. Yeah, there's a new one great, out today. Don't yeah, they built really... beneath the lies came out today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they've got kind of uh, like a Fu Manchu sort of bass style to them, haven't they? Uh, I guess like, so. It, it's a little it's kind of. Yeah, it's great. It's just it's loving it. Absolutely it's loving a, it. It's a little cleaner sound for us, you know. Um, we're, like some of our older albums are very noisy, you know, and, and not mixed very well. And, you know, that's just how it was back in the day. You know, we didn't know what we were doing. But I think on this album, we kind of have a sound that's uh, it's a little more cleaner, I guess, for I Hate God. You know, I mean, it sounds weird to use the word clean and I Hate God together. But at least it's been, yeah. Yeah, but it it works, you know. You can hear what I'm saying in my vocals. That's kind of a newer thing. I started doing that on the last record, kind of pronouncing my words better. And, you know, you know, to get, I mean, I think I write decent lyrics, so I kind of wanted to get them out there, you know, rather than the drunken slurring on the past records. Yeah, no, we were looking forward to hearing that whole album. Yeah, what, what what was the recording process like? 
was it easier than it has been before or it's the same as we always do those guys recorded the music you know and they they sent me the tapes i mean they were sending me rehearsal stuff the whole time you know so i knew what the songs were like but uh they just recorded the stuff and we had been sitting on it actually for a while because all the touring we were doing the past few years so uh we had planned to take off from like march through the end of next year we were going to take that off but then we were forced to take it off yeah to, for me to do the vocals you know but then uh you know the pandemic happened and so studios were closed yeah so then it was hard for me to find a place to to do the vocals yeah. but uh i finally realized i would go to chicago my friend sanford parker uh, has a studio there. I'm in a band with him called Corrections House. Okay. Another band with Scott Kelly from Neurosis. Uh, we haven't done anything with that band in a while, but we put out like two records and a, a seven inch, you know, back in 2011 or something. Uh-huh. But so I went to Chicago and me and Sanford work well together and social distance and the whole thing, you know, so, yeah. so we got it done, you know, just like that. Oh, and then fantastic. they mixed it in New Orleans. Then it was mixed in New Orleans. Fantastic. So you live in New Orleans, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, it's one place I'd love to go to. Yeah, you got to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a European city, you know, this is where we kind of describe it. It's not, you know, we're in Louisiana, which is like a total Republican state, you know? Yeah. But when you get down to New Orleans, it's just like, you know, the the Sodom and Gomorrah of, uh, of the South, you know? So it's totally different than the rest of the state, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Mike, uh, I, I caught you guys. I hate God at Desert Fest in London, 2018. Oh, did, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, I caught you guys with Napalm and, and the Obsessed. I know the Obsessed were in a different venue, but it was all part of the Desert Fest, wasn't it? I mean, how, how was that day for you? How was that gig? I mean, it was, it was brilliant. I mean, it was uh, nice and hot and packed in there, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was great. I actually ran down to the other venue to see like the first like four or five Obsessed songs before <laughs> before we played. And I said hi to Wino too while I was down there. But I, yeah, I ran down the street to the other venue and then ran back and got on stage. Oh, is that so what you did? Close, yeah. It was a close one. But uh, yeah, that was a great show. We always have great shows in London. Always. It's always great crowds and it's you know every year it seems to get better so that That's one was great, great. yeah do you, do you think the, the british crowds are a bit more mental than american crowds or do you find they're kind of similar no i mean they pretty much go crazy for us you know like there's a lot of stage diving and people like you know going nuts you know in america it kind of depends on the city you know yeah, I don't know. Some of the bigger cities like L.A. and New York, they they can L.A. for sure. They kind of are a little too cool sometimes to get into it. I mean, they're into the music. They'll stand and watch the band. But as far as going absolutely crazy, I mean, and we're not like a fast band or anything either. So we're a slower band. But in some people just like to sit and watch. But like in New York and stuff, we've had people go ape shit too, you know. But London's always been supportive since the we first time we ever played there was like 1993. Yeah. And the crowds have always been great. We played the Underworld and, you know, we've probably played there 10 times since then, but uh, it's yeah, always yeah. been great. Man. Oh, it's a great venue, isn't it? We love that place. Yeah. Yeah, I feel at home. I've been there. 
I feel at home. I've been there so many times to that venue, you know. Yeah, that, that Desert Fest just got um, canned today. It's been rescheduled for 2022, so. Oh, oh really? Yeah, we're going to have another one, obviously, in May, but it's just too soon, so they've canned. Oh, you guys, you're fast? You're having a fest, or? Yeah, no, they was they were gonna they were gonna have the uh, desert fest, but it's yeah, it's been oh canceled. desert fest, yeah, yeah that's the one you played. It's been cancelled again, so yeah, that's that's, that's the sign of the times, isn't it, Mike? You know, that, it is, man. There's this fest over here called Psycho Fest, and uh, we've been scheduled to play it since last year. They they've changed the date maybe three or four times. Now they've got it for August of this year, but I don't know if that's going to happen, you know? Yeah, it's hard to know, yeah, isn't August it? even starting to seem kind of soon for this, you know? Yeah. depends yeah. on people getting vaccinated, I guess, and I don't we know. Just, we just got to hope that sort of uh, calms things down. I mean, our numbers are going down rapidly now. So. Yeah, we've, we've vaccinated they? about yeah. 10 million people so far. That's great, man. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the numbers are here, but, I mean, it's happening, you know? I haven't got mine yet, but I'm waiting and see what happens, you know? Yeah, no, but, uh, totally. That's good, though. I'm glad to hear that. Good. I'm wondering yeah. how touring's going to be with this. Are they going to have a vaccine passport? Or Yeah, I think they're talking about, about it. Yeah, yeah I think they're so, about it, but yeah, who knows? Who knows? I'm wondering if, like, every border is going to be, like, a checkpoint now with, you know, to check and make sure you have this vaccine. You know, I mean, Europe was mostly open borders, you know, but now it could be different. I don't know. Yeah. Well, totally. we've, we've left Europe now, so it's even difficult. Yeah, difficult. right. Everyone's up in arms yeah. about how difficult it's going to be for bands to tour and bands to move around, journalists to move around. And they're talking yeah. about the VAT is going to be um, hiked up to 20% or something on all touring. Oh, really? Tour gig tickets are going up from 5% to 20%. I'm not sure in the exact number, but people are going yeah, crazy heard, over it. But I don't, I don't know. Some things about that, about the, the British musicians going into Europe. And I, I don't know exactly everything, but I've heard some rumors, you know. Yeah, um, it's hard to keep up with it because obviously leaving Europe as, as a country that we are and we've left. So it's, there's probably like a million different things, rules and yeah, right. no, no one really knows or how it's going to affect them because no one's been allowed to go out. <laughs> right, yeah. So yeah, right. Has it affected me? I'm not sure because I haven't, I haven't fucking been anywhere. No, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. So, yeah. Mike, you like you like the uh, the old UK punk house, UK and disorder and stuff. Yeah, man, I'm an old punk rocker, man. Uh, I got into punk in 1978. I'm an old cat, man. Um, yeah, I was like 11 years old then and got into punk, you know, like just from being into Kiss before that, I think. I was into like Alice Cooper, Kiss, The Who, you know, stuff like that when I was really young. I had two older brothers, you know. So uh, Kiss was like the first band that was like my band, you know, like Kiss, you know, yeah. that I discovered. But then in all the Kiss magazines, it was this weird, you know these guys the sex pistols and you know the clash and the damned and all these things so i was like that's really interesting i searched that stuff out and was hooked ever since never looked back you know and then that went on to like the 80s with uh hardcore and black flag and the bad brains and you know everything from that era so yeah, yeah. when we spoke Sorry. to uh i know i know you 
you listened to uh, that Chris Neil one we did podcast, but where, yeah, when we spoke to Chris, he had serious, seriously colourful life back in the day, you know. Yeah, that <laughs> so was they, real... those punks were the real deal, weren't they? They were just crazy, you know. Yeah, especially that Bristol scene too. Yeah. The Bristol scene was like disorder, uh, amoebics, um, uh, Chaos UK. With uh, you, you should talk to Gabba one day from Chaos UK. He's a character man. Um. But yeah, man, they 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 were that that was like the hardcore scene right there. More, it, it seemed more so a real scene than it was going on in London. You know, it was like the Bristol yeah. cats. You know, the, the, yeah, the Bristol squat scene and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, we do want to speak to all those guys, and uh, you know, you said about the Ambix guy. Yeah, yeah, Stig. Yeah, Stig. Well, his Stig, name's yeah. Chris. Chris Miller, but. Uh, I think his last name's Miller. His name's Chris, but Stig, you know. So he's yeah, we'll, he's great, you know. We'll reach out to them, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 You should talk to a lot of those guys, man. That's all, like, UK history, you know. To me, that's the history I study, like, all the old punk history, you know, American, too, or actually just globally stuff, too, you know. Yeah. There's so much history nowadays. 40-something years of punk rock, you know. Yeah, we've got we've got a lot of history to document, haven't we, Hobo? We have, yeah, we have. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to take us a while, man. We're no, gonna, yeah. We're going to do it. <laughs> I'm holding you to it, though. Yeah, no, hold us to it, yeah. That's it, we're going to say it, we're going to have to reach out to these people. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mike, tell us, tell us, mate, um, what, was, uh, what was the first gig you ever went to? First ever? Um, ever. Man, probably a local band from New Orleans called The Normals. I think, um, I, but it's a toss-up between that or the Talking Heads. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, my my older brother, I think he well, he took me to see the, both of those bands, but one was in a club and the other was like a a show, a bigger show, you know. Oh wow! So uh, I think that was the first ones. You know, there was this local band called the Normals who were like our local like clash or something you know like very small scene in new orleans especially in 1978 79 you know yeah and i was like this really little kid you know i was very young then but my older brother was like the janitor at this local club that had punk bands like every week so he he knew i was like reading about these bands and listening to it so he took me to see one of the local bands and it was really interesting, you know, seeing all the, the back when people still pogoed, you know, and yeah. oh yeah, and all that, man. It was you like see all yeah, those old, old vids, yeah, yeah. I've got to, I got to see that, you know. It was pretty cool, you know. Before you just saw a sea of phones in front of you, now, don't you? It's just like everyone's got their phone up, and yeah, that's what it, that's all it is. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. It's, it's a, a sea of phones, you know. Yeah, it's strange, yeah. It's strange man. You what? can't uh, everything. You can't expect to not do a show and not have it end up on YouTube immediately. You know? No, that's right. People even live stream them, don't they? Straight from their phones. It's crazy. Yeah, so, how, how, yeah, how can you, you enjoy to, the show? Yeah, we don't even know about it. I mean, they don't ask permission or anything. It's just like you see it and there's your band live on <laughs> YouTube or Facebook, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because I can, I can check out the uh, Desert Fest gig that I saw when I was obviously drinking too much to record you so i'll just click on you i'll just click on youtube and i can have a look you can watch yeah it. yeah it is convenient in that way you know the for being in a band though sometimes it's like oh man you know there's like some bad shows out there or 
or drunken shows for me, you know, where I'm like laying on the ground half the time, but you know, you got to, I guess, roll with the punches and take the good with the bad with the shows, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's one on the YouTube that I forgot who produced it, but it's a really nice one in France. And someone's, someone's did a, a real nice, I hate God, full video with all the, sounds the sound spot on and all the um yeah you know the one i mean don't you i think it's uh nantes right yeah 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 it's fucking cool what they did there yeah really presented sounds sounds great as well and that's from like last uh well it's shit it's been a year already but that was the napalm death tour we did last that was the last tour we did was in uh february and march of 2020 with napalm death so yeah, that's some good footage though. Yeah, mm. I also saw Napalm at Glastonbury 2017. It was the first oh, yeah. time, first time they had heavy metal at Glastonbury, <laughs> and uh, the earache uh, record know. record label earache. They had uh, they put on um, Glenn Matlock in a, in a tube carriage and stuff, which I also saw. And Napalm oh, yeah. on Napalm on the Thursday night with the Glastonbury <laughs> crowd there. That's fucking right, right. mad. I love, obviously, I loved it, but uh, <laughs> everyone just stand there like, right, yeah, okay. Especially like, they had a big crowd. They had a big crowd, you know. Yeah, just blast beats. What was the alternative festival called? Uh, Blastonberry or something? Wasn't there something? Yeah, there was an alternative one, yeah. Yeah, um, but it was called Blastonberry and it was just all heavy bands or something? Or? Yeah, I should have gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool, though, you know. Yeah, man. Mike, what was the first gig you played as a musician? God damn. Uh, I don't know what year it was, but I used to, probably around the same year, 80, probably 80 or 81, I had a band called Teenage Waste. And it was my first, it was my punk rock band, my first band ever. You know, I was like 13 or 14, 15, something like that. But, uh, yeah, we would just, I would sneak out. Uh, I was in a boy's home at the time. So I would like run away from the boy's home. I would sneak out and my friends would pick me up around the corner and we'd go to these like dive bars, you know, and I would play gigs, you know, and like no one knew it. You know, it was all like, you know, I would sneak back in. Sometimes I wouldn't, sometimes I would just stay gone for weeks or something. But, uh, but yeah, I would actually play in clubs, man. Teenage Waste was Teenage my Teenage Waste is a good name, isn't it? Yeah, I like it. It was that. all right. I mean, <clears throat> it kind of sounded like the beginning of the Who song, Teenage Waste Land. Yeah, you know? yeah. But uh, that's not really where we got it. We kind of made it up without thinking that. But uh, we had such songs like uh, Burn the Flag was one of our hits, you know? <laughs> one of your hits yeah uh we had another song called i'm a fucking epileptic you know that was like that was yeah. like you know it, it was the times you know back then it was just silly punk rock stuff you know we yeah. had fun though man oh that's but cool, i've been man. in bands since then like you know 81 or so just yeah always been in some type of band mostly you know what's uh what's been your favorite tour of your entire career Man, that's so hard to say. It's, it's impossible, really. Uh, there's been so many, so many fun ones, you know. We've toured with everybody from, like, Black Label Society and Corrosion of Conformity to, like, Chaos UK and, like, Negative Approach or, or Sheer Terror. I mean, 
all these people end up being our friends though, you know, later. So, I mean, you make good friends on the road. So that's my favorite thing about it, but I I couldn't really say the best tour. I mean, there's been some, there's been some that were miserable when they were happening, but when you get home, you're like, wow, I survived. Yeah. It's all the better for that. You know, you feel just like condition, the conditions of it, the traveling, the length of travel and uh, you know, that's what makes it shitty sort of, I guess. Just back in the day when, you know, we're making shitty money and, uh, you know, you're, you're not, can't afford hotels or anything and you're sleeping on people's floors or you're sleeping at a truck stop or, you know, that's no way to be healthy at all, you know, mm. you're just eating horrible food and you get to the club, there's no rider or anything. You just, you know, you're surviving with whatever you can, you know, yeah. that's how we did all those early tours, you know, it was just like that, you know. You just say on the mic, like, uh, anybody, can anybody here let us stay at their house? And, you know, and like the crust, somebody's always like, yeah. <laughs> so we would do that, you know. So some of those early tours were, they were, they were, they were heavy, but, uh, you know, we, we survived it. What's the most sort of far out place you've been in Europe? If you can remember the, the kind of weirdest far out place. I mean, uh, when you get to these places, they're all basically the same. You know, there's just a club with people. But um, we've been to South South Korea, Vietnam. We played in Vietnam. That was a really good show. Uh, Taiwan. We did five shows in Indonesia. That was great. Uh, Tel Aviv, Israel was really great. Uh, We've been to Tasmania off the coast of Australia. We've New Zealand, Australia, all those places. They're all, they're all great, you know. You've seriously got around, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, man. We South America, you know, we've done a, a ton of shows there. We've only been once and around, but we're going to go back with that. Lima, Peru, we've played. Oh. oh, God, I mean, there's so many. It's It's just exciting. You know, you can only tour Europe and the UK and America so many times, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it's great if you take some time off and come back, but you can't just keep going in the loop, you know, go there and back. And so we were like, let's go to some strange places. Like anybody that, that had offered to get us over there, you know, we would go with it. And, uh, you know, it's just a few nowadays, it's just a few emails and, you know, a little deal here and there, a contract or something. And, yeah. You know, you're off to the Philippines or somewhere, you know, and it, it's mm. been fantastic, man. You That's meet good. a lot of cool people. Yeah. I've, been, I've been to uh, Vietnam, but I, I got diarrhea for seven days out there, man. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, it was fucking terrible. I was on those rehydration tablets. I was just putting them in bottles of water and just drinking them constantly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. I was, yeah, I made sure not to drink the water, you know. That I was, was glad to get out of there very cautious about man yeah i made that mistake myself in uh, egypt <laughs> oh yeah. yeah i was quite unwell for a while as well <laughs> you did yeah, that no, we were in mexico and i, I was thinking like uh, there was a i had a drink with ice in it and i'm thinking like wait this ice is out of the faucet you know i don't yeah. know if i should be drinking this mexican ice but uh <laughs> it was fine though I, I got lucky i guess with that one Drink the Mexican ice. <laughs> yeah. New <laughs> song. Yeah. I like it. It's a good title. It's a good title. Mexican yeah. Smoke the Mexican ice. Tell us uh, tell us some more titles of uh, songs to listen out for from the new album. 
Uh, my favorite song on there is called uh, "Everything Every Day," and it's kind of a kind of a black flagish kind of sounding. Uh, it's it's a riff Jimmy used to do at the end of the set, and I would just kind of make up different words, but the words that stuck were "Everything Every Day," "Go to School," "Go to Work," "Every Day, Every Day, Every Day." And it kind of repeats over and over and over. And uh, I bring back an old song title uh, called Kill Your Boss. And I just start repeating that. So nice. it's kind of like the, the repetition of work and school and, yeah, and you know, wanting Grand to kill your day. boss. <laughs> but that's yeah, what... that's just that song. Uh, shit, what are some other, this other songs? Circle of Nerves is another song. Um I don't even have the titles in front of me. I can't remember all of them. But uh but yeah, the one came out came out today was uh Built Beneath the Lies is the new single. Yeah, I listened to that today. Cool man. Popped yeah. up on my thing. Yeah, as I said, I, I love all that new stuff. I can't wait for the whole album. Yeah, I'm glad y'all like it, man. Yeah, and there's some the- of the older fans, some of the people don't think it's a little cleaner sounding, but we can't put out the same album every single time. No, no and they all are slightly different, aren't they? When you, you listen back to them, like you say, they are all, all all totally different, aren't they? In recording levels and recording style. Yeah, but obviously the core sound of "I Hate God." So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's me and Jimmy, and you know, it's the it's us, you know. So it's like it would be hard to uh, to change that sound, the basic sound, you know. Yeah, of course. How is Jimmy? We we spoke to him back in uh, what was it August? Yeah, I think yeah. It's August. Yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. He's the same old Jimmy. He's doing all right. We're all just kind of getting a little stir crazy, you know, wanting to tour. But uh, he's just uh, planning stuff with us and down as well. So everybody's yeah. just planning to keep busy when all this is over, you know. Yeah, there's been a lot of live streams and things, isn't there, which have been keeping people. Satisfied yeah. for now, I suppose, but it must be weird, like playing in, in an empty room, you know, trying to trying to really, you know, feed off those vibes. It's completely different, isn't it? Well, that's what I wanted to say. That uh, we, I hate God, has not done a live stream, and uh, I don't know how I feel about it. You know, like hmm. there's a lot of people that want us to do it. There's fans, obviously, that want us to do it, but I, I don't know. I, it does seem like you said you're just playing to a camera, you know? Yeah. And it just, uh, I don't know where the energy would come from i mean i could pull it out of somewhere you know and and make it exciting i guess we could do that but it's still a little strange you know like yeah into an empty room and i like a club like a small club with over packed and yeah, sweaty exactly. drunk people yeah. you know stage diving and stuff that's what i like you know yeah you know i mean i think i mean i, I did uh, i bought a ticket for the down one and i've checked that out and that was really cool uh yeah. we really yeah you know and it was done really well and you know, they put on a wicked show, so, you know, it can be done, but I just wonder, like, for a musician to be just literally playing to, like, 10 cameramen, it's just got to be a really weird situation. Yeah, I guess I'd have to look more into it, and somebody would have to talk to talk me into it, maybe, you know, but yeah. I know that their shows look good, you know, I mean, Goat Horror did one, another band from New Orleans, mm. and uh, apparently it's, like, really professional, and, you know, it looks really good, so... I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and what I said, what I said to someone before was that the good thing about it for the musicians is that, like, whereas you might play, you know, a, a room to, you might play in a venue that holds a thousand people. All of a sudden, you're opened up and you can play to 
thousands of thousands of people, can't you? You know, That's like every, true. every single fan who follows you, like your band on the internet could potentially buy a ticket for that one show. That's true. Yeah. I mean, there is the, yeah, the monetary thing too, you know. And everyone's indoors, Mike. So <laughs> what else are they going to do? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Talked you into it yet? <laughs> getting close. <laughs> okay, we'll have a big screen, like so get someone to project a crowd on a big screen in front of you, so it looks like there's a crowd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like like the American football teams when they're still pumping all the crowd into the stadium, aren't they? All the crowd cheering and stuff. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could work. We'll see. We'll yeah. see what happens. I was going to ask you about your um, time with doing the magazine, Metal Maniacs. You, you used to do, uh, you know, reviews and writing for that, didn't you? Did, did you yeah. start that with those guys? Or you was there, it was about 10 years that went on for, didn't it, the, the magazine? can remember of that and you know what, what it was like to write for that magazine and you know well, um, bands and everything I actually didn't even expect the job you know I was just um I mean I had written for some fanzines back in the 80s I had my own fanzine at one time and stuff but uh I went uh, I actually started dating this girl who lived in Brooklyn so I ended up moving up there in uh 93 and she worked she was uh had been there for like maybe a year or something at metal maniacs. She was like the assistant editor and uh, she just got me a job, like writing, uh, you know, reviews. And, um, and, and like you said, I did some interviews, uh, interviewed scorn and uh, I don't know, Dylan uh, from uh, earth and people like that. And um, it just, it, it didn't, it, I think it was only about three or four years that it, ha- that it lasted we kind of wanted to change around the magazine and the owners were kind of not into that. They wanted us to stick with like the bands that paid for advertisements, you know, like the bigger metal bands. And we were putting stuff like neurosis in there and amoebics. And uh, we started putting black metal stuff in there that, you know, that was that time it was like fresh, like 1994, you know? Yeah. So we were putting all this stuff in there Melvin's and all these bands and uh, they kind of like, they I finally I moved up to it I was associate editor of one one issue but we were like changing the names of the columns and stuff like there was a record review column I forgot the name of it but I changed it to Helter Skelter for a couple issues and think we were trying to like make it more current you know and make it for younger kids that you know like some good underground stuff in there not just typical you know same bands that are the, the popular metal bands you know so uh i don't know they kind of like they cut our budget and uh just kind of like eased us out of there you know so that was about the extent of it they ended up getting the guy who did the this was a a, a big office on park avenue in new york you know so uh, in manhattan 
so they they were kind of pumping these magazines out you know like they did a country magazine they did all the like um ethnic magazines you know they did you know like ebony and stuff like that they did wrestling magazines they did uh fashion magazines so it was all they just kind of pump them out so uh i guess we weren't like conforming to their standards you know and they kind of got us out of there they ended up getting the guys break back metal while they were trying to make a a pound note (laughs) yeah yeah we were trying to make it more of an underground magazine we were like this is cool we have this you know platform now we could uh put whatever we want in here, you know, but they kind of caught on to us and we're like, nah, this is not going to sell magazines. But actually a lot of people tell me that when they look back on those issues, they were like, you guys are the first ones that turned me on to, you know, some underground stuff, you know? So I think we did, we did what we had to do, but we got, you know, edged out. They actually got the guy who did the country magazine to become the editor of metal maniacs. And I was like, what does he know? You know, he <laughs> basically did what he was told, though, and he was real, you know, nice and neat and, and did everything they wanted him to. So it happens, you know. Yeah, it happens. Uh, well, at least, at least you know that you, you did the right thing. Yeah. You try, you try to get everyone to, to listen to new stuff and they can you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened, you know. But it was a fun experience, you know. It was cool moving, you know, from New Orleans up to New York and just being, you know, I was up there for like three years. So yeah, I was just about to say, what was it like living in New York? It was great, man. It was uh, it was definitely an experience. It's such mm. a giant city, you know, and uh, it's just an exciting place to be, especially in the 90s, you know, before it was 100 percent like gentrified and some of those areas, you know, like Times yeah. Square was still a, a shithole, you know, like most of the place was, you know. They, now, like the Lower East Side is all gentrified, and you know I'm not a New Yorker or anything, but uh, I can see yeah. what they've done to a, a, you know a, it used to be a great city. It still mm. is a great city, but just it's a lot more safe now, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. What about um? So so yeah, in New Orleans, then is that? I mean, obviously we know about like the big bands and things that are going on in in the whole sort of known scene. Um, is there like any sort of like smaller bands that? Are, People need to start checking out and getting behind. Um, yeah, there are right now. I can't even. I don't even know who though because I haven't really been involved with. You know, there hasn't been any local shows or anything. You know. Uh, of course. But, uh... but there's bands. There's a band called the Paul Bearers who are like a punk rock band. There's a band called the Unnaturals. Uh, right. God, I can't even think. There's there's a band called Pussy Rot that are pretty good. <laughs> There's a band called the Planchettes. Uh, there's a, a guy named Benny who does this thing. It's like Benny. He does like John Carpenter soundtrack stuff. It's like, but we have him open for us, you know. So before all this happened, we had him open for us. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We always get weird, weird acts to open for us if we can locally. But yeah. yeah, there's a whole scene, you know. There's, it's kind of like a lot of little smaller scenes in New Orleans, you know. But uh, like the punks and the metal guys, there's it kind of comes together, but it's a lot, you know. There's a lot going on there. Mm. When you um, you recorded that album, Arse and Anthem with Anselmo, Phil Anselmo. Do you yeah. think you'd ever record with Phil again? And I know he's a pal of yours. Will, will you ever do another album? And I mean, if he wanted to, probably yeah. But uh, 
I don't think Arson Anthem will ever do anything again. You know, that, that was just kind of, that was a project, uh, I had, you know, we went through Hurricane Katrina, you know, in New Orleans. And uh, after that, I had gotten uh, gotten picked up by the police uh, for some stuff. And um, so I had been in jail for three months. I got, Phil bailed me out, actually. And uh, I went to go stay out at his place, you know, over his, uh, the studio out there. And we were just listening to a lot of old hardcore records, punk stuff, you know. We were like, let's just do a band while you're living out here. And right. just for fun, really, you know, it was just for something to do. And uh, we ended up doing two records, you know. So that was that was a cool thing, you know. We actually did a small tour as well. But, you know, was, we never really took it that serious, you know. It was kind of just we wanted to write a bunch of hardcore punk songs and have some fun with it. We had Hank three playing drums, which was interesting, but he was like the first to drop out. Hank kind of couldn't do it anymore. Uh, he's got so much going on, I guess. And then uh, we kind of just, you know, dissolved the whole thing. Phil started other things. I, I hate God started playing a lot again, you know, so that band kind of just fizzled out. But, you know, we got two records out of it. Cool, man. So what was it? What was that like for being in jail for three months, man? That must have been shocking. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not great, but I mean, you have to adapt to it, you know. It was just like a county jail. It wasn't anything bad, but uh, yeah, I got picked up. I had uh, acquired some things from a pharmacy, like during the uh, the hurricane. There was uh, you know, uh, it could be considered looting, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> quote unquote but uh so yeah i got picked up for that and uh i i'm lucky i got a good lawyer though and uh i got off i got 10 years probation after that but you know which is a long time for probation but uh, yeah, yeah yeah but at least it wasn't more jail time you know so. yeah, that's true that's true that's nice of bill to bail you out yeah it was man that really uh you know he saved me with that one man you know it was yeah, great yeah, that hurricane that wasn't that the worst one that ever hit you. Probably sick of talking about that hurricane, but it, it wasn't that the yeah. worst ever one. <laughs> everyone that it wiped everything out, didn't it? Us was back here. We saw everyone in that superdome thing. Everyone was camped out in there, and yeah, yeah, I, yeah. We just I didn't live too like far that. from the superdome. The house I was living in wasn't very far from the superdome at all. But uh, they wanted us to go to the Superdome, but I refused. I wasn't, you know, I knew what was going to happen there. It was going to be a, a, a giant fucking mess, you know, and it turned out that way too. Like, I don't know what's true and what's not, but I heard there was like, you know, people killed in there and in the Superdome and things like that. The whole city was chaos at the time. You know, I saw there was a dead body around the corner from where I lived that just laid there for a week or more. Yeah, we, 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 the police would just drive by this dead body. Like, you know, if you called 911, which is, you know, like you're 999, but, uh, you know, the emergency services, it was just a busy signal. Mm. It was like, no, you know, it was, it was chaos, you know. We had, we had an, a, the front page of our tabloids. There was like a dead body floating down the street in New Orleans. Mm. Like, yeah. Like, it was just like, I was like, what the fuck is this? This yeah. is America now? Like, Bodies yeah. floating down the street, we couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy yeah. times. Yeah. Crazy times. This lady that I saw, I guess she had been hit by a car and they just she was just laying there, like, you know, nobody, 
there was nothing we could do. You know, what am I going to, you know, we didn't, we were just like walking around the neighborhood, checking out like the damage and stuff and, you know, see something like that. It's pretty, pretty crazy, you know, but, uh, they covered her up with a blanket and all that's like w w most you could do. But I heard that was happening all over, you know, all mm. over the city, you know? Yeah. When there's no emergency services, what are you going to do? <laughs> I guess the worst was like down at the jails. Like I hadn't got arrested yet. I got arrested like a week later after the hurricane. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess like the jails, like a lot of the, uh, corrections officers just left, the jail and the police officers left and left the prisoners in the, in there locked up and like some of them apparently were like up to their necks in water and just like a lot of people died there you know you probably don't even hear about those people that no. died in the jail though you know they're no, just never locked away that. and some people just think if you you know you get pick up picked up on a uh, a traffic ticket on you know uh, two days before and then the hurricane hits and you're dead you know I mean you know it's like there was a lot of crazy stuff happening with the, you know, people just like not helping or, uh, you know, uh, we didn't really get any help from FEMA or the National Guard for like a week later, you know. There was houses burning down, you know, there was things, a lot of crazy stuff happening. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, I remember here, didn't Bush take fucking ages to even go down there and look at it or something? It was. Yeah, yeah. there was a lot of kind of like, I mean, New Orleans is there's a lot of rich people but it's mostly a poor city you know so i think that was part of the reason that they just didn't care you know like most of the neighborhoods that flooded were were poorer places you know the rich people could afford to leave yeah you know the city and save themselves but if you were poor you just stayed in the city because you didn't have transportation or you know so talking about crazy. phil again um only because he filled in for you, didn't he, on the tour? You, you couldn't do. Um, played yeah. some dates for you, didn't he? Yeah, man. He uh, pretty cool. Yeah, we uh, we had a tour booked with Discharge, who are from Stoke, right? And uh, I guess it's near Birmingham, right? And uh, yep. anyway, they uh, so we had a, that's one of my favorite bands, Discharge. You know, so we had that tour booked. But I had gotten sick, you know, I had started having this liver issues. I had cirrhosis of the liver. So uh, I couldn't make the tour. So uh, they, you know, I was like, they asked if they really should do it or not. And I, I just figured it would be great for them to do the tour, mm. you know, still, even without me. So, yeah, Phil stepped up and did a, a actually, no, I'm sorry. Phil wasn't on the discharge tour. That was Randy Blythe from Lamb of God that's did, right, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. shows. I hate God with Phil did a bunch of different shows. Like they did the, uh, the Guar uh, barbecue thing in Virginia. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That. That's on YouTube, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah right, like right. So that's right. I'm sorry. I messed that up. Randy Blythe did the discharge tour, which was like, I don't know, six or six shows or something like that. Mm. Phil did like maybe four or five shows. So, yeah, those were both during times when I was like in the hospital, you know. That must have been pretty scary, man. I mean, was there was there times where you didn't think you were going to make it? I, mean, I remember following the updates and stuff, and I know a lot of yeah. fans got behind you and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, they did. The fans are really great, man. They really like. I think a lot of the the comments and the uh, donations from fans and all that, like the the comments, especially, just keeping me positive, you know, and. Mm -hmm. 
helped me to go on and, uh, you know, realize that I could get through this, you know, yeah. I kind of looked at it like, you know, it's kind of like death is a part of life. You know, it's like, I didn't obviously didn't want to die, but, uh, Hmm. I figured, you know, either way I'm going to, you know, this will be over sooner or later in one way or another, but luckily, you know, the doctors, uh, helped me and we got it all taken care of. Yeah. Were you on a list for long to get a liver or was there one ready sort of available kind of thing or? It was, uh, I was in the hospital for three months. Right. Right. So it wasn't that long. I mean, it could have been a lot longer, you know? Mm. You feel great uh, now though, Mike, you feel great. I feel great, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm healthy. I've been healthy ever since. Well, that was one of the reasons we stayed on tour. You know, we, uh, my, my surgery was in December of 2016 by the next April of 2017, we were uh, back on tour. We started touring then and we didn't stop until March of last year. You know, we kind of had, you know, the most we had off was like maybe three weeks in that whole time. But uh, we toured with so many different bands and like, we just wanted to stay on the road, you know? Yeah. Like one of those things, like I'm healthy now. I just, you know, went through this crazy ordeal. So let's just tour our asses off, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and we did. So it was, it was cool. And then when the album comes out, they, well, people are going to want you back out there, aren't they? <laughs> I want to be back out there. Yeah. Well, what about the UK? I mean, and it's so hard to say, Oh, what are your plans? Because there is no plans for people. But yeah. Would you come over to the UK again? Would you, would you Never. get to London? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, of course. Of course. I <laughs> Really? No, we, we're ba- we ban them. No, of course, of course. We love the UK, and I got so many friends over there, and so you know, I know so many people everywhere. That's it's just, it's great, you know. It's uh, it's always it's always a pleasure to be in the UK. Well, sure. you got you got a couple more friends in the UK now, and you need that floor to sleep on, man. He'll put yeah. You up. <laughs> well, yeah. That's I appreciate that. Well, luckily now we can afford hotels, so you know we Oops. we can we can do that whole thing. But uh, but if you know if I ever get uh, you know lost out in the street somewhere, I'll give you a call. Yeah, do it, man. Yeah. You know, well, we'll certainly <laughs> when you do eventually come back to the underworld or wherever you're going to play, we'll obviously yeah. we'll be there. You know. Yeah, cool, man. Yeah, you should come out and hang out, man. Hundred percent. We we always ask we always ask um, towards the end. Uh, what was what is your favorite album of all time? Oh, yeah. It might be pretty hard for you to say because I know you're into so many different styles of music. Yeah. But, uh, if you if you could name something or someone. <laughs> Shit, man! There's so much. I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's on the spot, I, I mean, it, it, you know, there's so many genres and stuff I like. You know, I mean, really, like the stuff I grew up with. You know, was like you know the Germs first album. Oh, like the damned uh, machine gun etiquette is just a great record. It's like I kind of I'm drawn to these albums that have like some nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. That germs. That was, was that uh, Pat Smear was in the Germs, wasn't he? Yeah, it was yeah. Pat Smear's first band with Darby Crash was the singer. It was just like an exceptional album that I mean, these guys on stage were pretty much a drunken mess, but they they pulled it together. And this album is it's incredible, you know. All right, all right. So uh, I don't know, like the Dead Boys. Uh, there's a band called the Laughing Hyenas out of Detroit that I love. You know, like I said, there's there's so much. Yeah. But still, I mean, I love Motorhead. I love Discharge. I love uh, 
Pink Floyd, you know, I love uh, Nick Cave, uh, birthday party and the solo stuff, you know, I, I mean, I could go on and on. There's so much, you know, there's so many different things. Yeah. What do you think about the whole um, iTunes streaming thing where people just subscribe to iTunes and they just listen to whatever they want and and don't buy the albums directly from you guys? What, what do you think about that? How's that affecting you guys? What's I mean, things have changed, you know. It's kind of like the way it is now, you know. It's really nothing. I never did really complain about it to begin with. It's like I always kind of thought, as long as people get to hear the music, you know, I'm happy because we make most of our money on tour, like merch. I mean, we also have a store too, you know, that we sell t-shirts and the obvious stuff, you know? So we kind of make our money from those things. Like going on tour is a little supplemental, but uh, as far as selling records though, it's never been like a big, it's never been a big part of the income, you know. So I'm always just happy for people to to hear the records any way they can, you know. And I mean, I'm yeah. guilty of uh, I have Spotify on my phone, you know. So you just punch up like pretty much anything you can think of, and it's on there, you know. Yeah. So I mean, I'm guilty of using those services myself, you know. So I couldn't complain about it. But uh, yeah, you know how it is. We're guilty of putting our podcasts on there as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's it's a, it's a good tool, though, really. I mean, I mean, we have our music on Spotify. They pay you like less than half a penny or something for a, a, a play of your song. But, you know, it's just as long as people get to hear the music, I'm, I'm happy, you know. We're well, a live cool, band, you know. We, we, we like to play live and, you know, like to tour. Yeah, that's where I think we're the best. And so I think that, you know, it all comes together. We can make some income off of that. Yeah. Oh, sir. Did you hear that, that Microsoft, uh, this is going off, off subject. Did you hear that Microsoft have patented, um, like, being able to reproduce people from the dead and make up these uh, voice, these, these, what they call face bots, I think. And they're going to bring, <laughs> they're going to bring back, <laughs> they're going to get all the data they've actually patented this um, bring back all the data uh, and analyze it take every everything about them their weight height how they sounded voice recordings videos the bills they paid how they lived their life they've got, all, they've got all the data now of people's lives haven't they through these phones so they know exactly right. oh, what people right. have done word for word what they did all day every day and they're going to recreate people that have died they're going to have to be able to bring back a talking bot a whole bot or a face, head or whatever, that talks to you and sounds like you, looks like you, and you can have a conversation with it and it will react in the way that the personality of that person was, just from all the data and footage that they've collected. Did you hear about that? And what do you think about this? This is true, man. This is true. Microsoft will patent it. No, I haven't heard of that, but I mean, I, I kind of see these articles now and again with about AI, you know, artificial intelligence, which I guess is what you're talking about, you know. Yeah. Mm. I didn't know it was like that advanced yeah. where they're going to take it off of someone's phone or something, but uh, but I know they're they're doing a lot of stuff nowadays, you know. With, I mean, they, they already have that. Gonna deep, do it. <laughs> what is that thing they do with video now? The deep fake, where they put someone's face on another. 
Like they can yeah. like pretty much make a video of you like robbing a bank or something. And it looks exactly like you, but it's a real video. And I don't know, that's that's getting a little uh, crazy for no, me. That, you know? that, yeah. was, that was yeah. me, Mike. We don't really think about that. <laughs> <laughs> just, so. We'll have to edit that bit out. <laughs> no, it's scary shit though, isn't it? But if they can get that much data to actually produce an AI version of your dead relative and you can sit there and ask it questions and it will answer back what you want to hear because it knows everything about you. Right. It knows where you Scary. went. It will have all the photos of where you went as a kid with, say, your dead dad. And it sure, will, yeah, it yeah. It will fucking know how to answer. If you say, oh, yeah, do you remember when we went to Bloody Blah? And it will go, yes, wasn't that a fun day when we went to, uh, <laughs> when we was when we was at Centre Parks? <laughs> That's frightening, <laughs> man. I don't want to live in a world like that, I don't think, man. That's who needs it. You know, when someone yeah. dies, they're gone. You know, it's like I don't want to keep somebody around like that. And what I guess they evolve with it too, huh? They learn as they go. Oh, it's AI, isn't it? So yeah. you can it will have the basics of what you're I'm just saying dad, but my dad's still alive, God bless him. But you know, <laughs> whoever, and then you'll teach it to react, and then it'll be picking up information from you, things you say, and it'll get better at being your dad. <laughs> Yeah, like it's a better dad than he's better than your actual dad or something, you know, like, like, man, you know, they're better than the actual person that died, you know, so. There's a Will Smith film in here somewhere, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. the iRobot thing. Yeah, 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 for sure, man. Technology takes over. That's it, mate. They, they reckon wow. we're in the, the uh, fourth industrial revolution, which is where AI integrates with humans isn't it that's the fourth revolution well they're doing the cars the self-driving cars and stuff yeah now. there's a lot of stuff coming out that's uh it's I, I don't know how i feel about it i haven't really uh, yeah one of my mates bought a car the other day and he said he said to me you know, i don't even have to steer it just stays within the white lines i was like what i've never heard of anything like that yeah it's wild man crazy does yours do that no mine's just a hybrid <laughs> <laughs> you know and the battery runs out, that fucker goes oh. into fuel. <laughs> Crazy, man. All right, Mike, right. We'll, we'll, we'll let you go. We'll let you go with that, that thought about the uh, eyeball. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, right. I'll, I'll, I'll be thinking about that tonight, yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. It's been great talking to it's you. It's been great chatting to you, mate. Yeah, it was great we'll, meeting you guys, man. Great to we'll meet you and talk to you.